0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2012, the year Barack Obama got re-elected US President. But in the world of Gotham City, the US President seems to turn his back on the citizens of that great city and instead let a madman take control and create anarchy. That's right, it's time to recap. The Dark Knight Rises, the final in Christopher Nolan's Batman Triptych. And with me, oh, I'm Natalie Bohensky, I should probably say that. And this is Raven Bat, the Raven on Batman podcast recap subsection thingy. And with me, as always, to discuss the ins and outs of Batman and all associated properties is a man who knows that he's got two minutes to get a nuclear bomb out over the bay, and he knows exactly how to get free from the devastating blast radius of said nuclear bomb <laughs> without anybody knowing and without seemingly any harm. It's Stuart Late!
1: Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, this movie actually brings us full circle, Natalie, because we've um we've come around again to a movie in which Batman realizes that some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs>
0: that, the podcast is over. (laughs) Stu has... Stu has won the podcast. Um, That's that's excellent. And I've never even thought of that. And that is so perfect. (laughs) Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb.
1: Yeah. It's the stealth Batman 66 remake we all needed.
0: It really is. And there's all that running around and like, can we get it over here? Can we put the thing here? Can we put it back over here? Can we? (laughs) No. Sometimes you just got to attach it to your weird plane, hovercraft, (laughs) helicopter hybrid and drop it out over the bay. Uh, Drop it out uh, over the bay. Stu, this historically is a film that I remember not liking and um, quick spoilers, I think it holds up rather better than I expected it to, but we'll get to that. Mm. To join us on this week's podcast, long promised on the Raven Bat podcast subsection thingy, is a man who is a magician in life and in art, a man who has seen this film, if I'm correct, 12 times at the cinema and countless times afterwards, please give it up for Brisbane magician Pete Booth.
2: Hello. And it's ten times at the cinema. I'm not mad.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. How could I imply that a crazy 12 times uh, is what you did? But, uh, okay, so ten times. So you have seen this movie at the cinema for about 25 hours, you have
2: sat
0: <laughs> in cinemas watching The Dark Knight Rise.
2: Oh, boy, I've never done that math, but that's true.
0: Yeah, 25 <laughs> hours of your life in a
1: cinema. Over a calendar day.
0: Yeah, Yes! yes! <laughs> I know.
1: 25 that's- glorious hours. <laughs>
0: So for years, Pete, uh, as a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, as well as in real life, will just post Dark Knight Rises content (laughs) every now and then, just saying, you know, what's your favourite movie and why is it The Dark Knight Rises? or just random content. For the many years I've known Pete on social media, it's just been this recurring theme. So uh, when he found out that we were doing Raven Bat, he immediately messaged me saying,
2: (laughs) Mm. you can't
0: say that The Dark Knight Rises is terrible. I have to come on to defend it. You can't do this without me. So I was like, you know what? That's fair. Someone feels passionately about something, we want to know why they do. Mm. So Pete, Stu always likes to ask people who come on, what's your history with Batman?
2: You Well, I used to watch the uh, 60s television series as a kid, of course. Uh, And then I think one of the first films I saw in the cinema was the original 1989 Tim Burton Batman, which you would have covered already.
1: You like that one, right?
0: Yeah, it's lots of fun. Oh
1: yes, yeah, yeah excellent. <laughs> Even if Batman in that one is kind of a bad Batman, but Alright. <laughs> oh, right, yes, yeah, so well, he's kind be... of bad at his job. He gets shot and fall, falls down a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I quite I mainly read the 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 kind of milestone Batman comics, your know, year ones, your Killing Jokes, hmm. that kind of thing, and then this series, the Dark Knight series, is kind of the Batman film. A series that I'd always wanted. Uh, Same with the. And of course, after uh, Batman and Robin, it was a very sad time for Batman film fans (laughs) like myself. And it was eight long years of uh, only that film in our memory, and then thankfully our saviour, Christopher Nolan, came along. (laughs) It (laughs) really uh,
0: doesn't, it still doesn't feel like that long to me, that there was that long a gap between (laughs) 97 and 2005, but, yeah, there really was.
2: We wondered if there would ever be another Batman film. Can you imagine, though, an eight-year gap between films about Batman these days? (laughs)
0: I'm interested because 2005 was also the reboot of Doctor Who and uh, not to invite potentially comparison there, but I wonder if there's something about, because when was the Doctor Who movie? It was like 96?
1: 96, I think, yeah.
0: I'm wondering if there was something about the age of people who got into kind of positions of influence in the film world and TV world who were able to then go, hey, what property do you want to do? And them going, you know what, I want to do. Batman. I want to do Doctor Who. I want to do this particular geeky thing that hasn't been around for years, but I know what to do with it.
1: Possibly there, there was something in the yeah. You're, you're right, and it was it was sort of post post the millennium as well. So you see a lot in that sort of first decade of the millennium where people sort of were looking at things and 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 going in new directions with it. And the Dark Knight uh, series, the trilogy, was central to that because it was. Sort of driving a lot of, we talked about it on the Batman Begins episode, but Batman Begins kind of invented the gritty reboot in a way, certainly the modern version of it. Mm. And then The Dark Knight set the tone for basically every superhero movie going forward that was either aping it or reacting to it.
2: And every James Bond movie going forward, or at least Skyfall.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's true, yeah, yeah.
0: So, Pete, why this film? About, like, did you like Batman Begins in the Dark Knight?
2: Absolutely. Uh, probably, I see. I take this film series as a whole. If people say, what's your favourite out of the three, it's so hard to come up with an answer because I think they just tell such a brilliant story together. And I think you have to have all three as a trilogy.
0: Do you find that this film for you completes the trilogy in a satisfying way?
2: <laughs> yes, I absolutely do. It's a, it gives a nice kind of rounding off for Bruce Wayne's story and a nice suggestion. Of what's to come in Gotham City, I thought it ended the series very nicely.
0: But Pete, why so passionate about this particular film? Why Pete, all the Facebook we, memes?
1: Why? <laughs> you know, can we clarify too? Like, is this your favourite of, of the three? Like I know you said you you take no. them as a whole, but yeah, like, you really you really fought hard to be on this episode. Like I mean, yes, so is this, well, this I've, is your favourite of the three films.
2: This film had to have a devil's advocate. Was my feeling? I knew how Natalie <laughs> felt about it. <laughs> And in particular, I knew that she'd be bringing up numerous incorrect plot holes. And I thought I had to, I just couldn't listen. I could picture myself listening back to the podcast and uh, in much the same way as listening to Dan talk about the Dark Knight last week. (laughs) Um, I knew that I'd just be going insane.
0: (laughs) All right. So how we generally start the pod is with our minute challenge. And I believe it's Stu's turn this week. Stu, are you happy to go first?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the first item on my list is... (laughs) Um, I've never been as down on Tom Hardy's portrayal of Bane as... Some, some portions of the internet seem to be. but And actually re-watching it, I, I was quite delighted by his performance. But it's a hell of a choice, the voice they, they go yeah. with. It really <laughs> is. And I, I know. I, I wonder if they've gone through again. Because the version that I watched, and I I, I rented it online uh, to watch it this time. It was a very clear yes uh, voice. Way more clear than I remember it being.
0: I think I, I know bro- that
1: they famously had to go back and redub it initially. They showed that opening sequence with the plane hijacking as like a test, like like that six minute sequence as like a, a teaser for the the movie. And the the overwhelming feedback from from audiences was we can't understand what Bane is saying. So they had to do an emergency <laughs> redub on the film. And I'm wondering if they've gone back since then and redubbed it a second time. I don't know for sure, but it was much clearer than than Uh, it was previously. Or
0: they've done something with the track, like they've cleared up that particular track, his vocal track, so it stands out more because I had exactly the same thing written down, Stu. I had this something is clearer about because I watched it, I rented it, same to you, same as you. Um, just rented it via my Apple TV, $2.99. Won't get that back, but that's okay. <laughs> but, yes, it, it was much clearer. But I also wrote down, is it because they improved the track or is it because I was watching with the subtitles? Me
1: too. On? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I had the subtitles on and it was, you know, maybe that was doing it where you, you just you just instantly have the subtitles on telling you what he was saying.
0: Yeah, Um, and that just cleared it up in my ears somewhat.
2: Maybe you just saw it in a a, a bad theatre initially, with a terrible
1: sound system. Well, it could be. It could be. Christopher Nolan has developed a a reputation over the years as someone who has inaudible dialogue in his movies. (laughs) Um, And I think a lot of that stems from this this particular film, where a common complaint was, we can't understand what Bane is saying. And I think that was partially a choice on their part. It was certainly... Like everything about Bane's whole deal in this movie, his whole his mannerisms, his his physical appearance, his voice was all Tom Hardy and Christopher Nolan coming up with something that would just be interesting and distinctive, but also not be the Joker again. Like they they were desperate not to repeat Heath Mm. Ledger's performance as the Joker, and I think they succeeded. Like I mean, you you can't argue that they didn't create an iconic movie character, but how effective that ended up being, I guess, is is up to individuals. I I just real I really like the. The juxtaposition of quite an intelligent sounding voice in someone who looks like a big nasty brawler I think that's He's interesting in that. and yeah. that definitely gets to the character of Bane I think that's a really smart choice on their part but then they put him behind that mask and you can't understand a word he's saying. But the so, other thing is
0: Tom Hardy is virtually unrecognizable as yeah, this character. You,
1: you can't he, he completely disappears.
0: There's only one small scene where you see him being beaten up by a group of people yeah. and you see his face turn to the light and it's his face. Yeah. I mean, is he enhanced like physically with those arms and stuff? Did, did they put like fake? Like, no, 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 he he gained like,
1: he gained like 50 kilos of muscle or something insane he he just How? absolutely probably I mean probably through nefarious means if I'm if we're being honest but he he put that muscle on like like
0: yeah. right How you know honestly or jacked? not because he's not that jacked in real life
1: I, he got that jacked because he had to he had to like be physically imposing what's hilarious bit- though is is he's actually he's like five foot ten or something he's not very tall so quite obviously they must have had him standing on boxes in a lot of this movie because he is he's towering over a lot of the people in there and you can just picture like the zoom out and it's just like Tom Hart, 5 foot 10 Tom Hardy standing on a box over Batman you know I think they use very
2: creative uh, filming and lighting as well yes, exactly yeah.
0: yeah there's a lot of upward angles and stuff like that of him and also they have the collar on his sheepskin jacket um, which was one of my comments is where is Bain shopping to get those very distressed. <laughs> sheep
1: fantastic. Sheep skin, I love that.
0: Sheepskin line jackets, you know, they have that sort of up behind his neck to give him that extra bulk and, but this is the thing. Like he's a pretty fit dude, but he's not like that jacked. Like he's more mm. sort of sinewy. Could
2: go. Yeah, you usually
1: know. he's a lot more sort of sort of thin and wiry. But he's definitely he, like he bulked up for this. But but he famously he bulked up for uh, I think Bronson was the the boxing movie that he'd done previously, and that's what people mm. were sort of pointing to when his casting was announced because people did point out they were like isn't he like a little guy i thought people were like no no he, he can get big he can get big for roles and sure enough like he showed up he, he really hit the gym and and a and few other things besides maybe and and bulked up for the role
0: the gossip site pop bitch which i love has this <laughs> ongoing tom hardy sort of rumor that's out there where he like reckons that he's been in the special forces or like he gets asked to go on training and stuff with the special, like, he's got this real keenness for army
1: doing stuff.
0: And I was like, I don't know, but that just kind of sounds like it could be true. Like, I don't, it doesn't sound so far from the truth that you'd have someone like Tom Hardy going, yeah, I'm an actor by day, but I'm actually, you know, hardcore military special forces by
2: night." So what do you think of Tom Hardy's uh, acting resume? Are you generally a fan of his acting work?
0: Okay, so Tom Hardy for me is in the same kind of realm as Jonathan Rhys-Meyers where I find Mm -hmm. them quite distressing to look at. Um, (laughs) Okay. They both have this weird mouth-lip thing going on that makes me very uncomfortable. He has a very um, sensuous mouth. No but I don't find it sensu- I don't find them sensuous. A lot of people say this they're like really like sensuous lips and stuff and I'm like no, I find it very discomforting and very unworldly and odd um, Well
1: this must be the perfect Tom Hardy movie for you then because he' spends most of it with a, a muzzle <laughs> over right. his face
0: That's right that's so I do appreciate the mask in that sense <laughs> even if I can't hear him talk I just I hear him all the time linked to James Bond and I just can't handle that. I just
1: yes. having Are a he, laugh. No, he, he'd be still... brilliant.
0: He would not be brilliant. He'd
1: be... <laughs> he would have been. He would have been brilliant ten years ago. I think he's 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 done now. He's sort of he's aged out.
2: I'm going to recommend a uh, Tom Hardy film which no one saw. It's called Lock. Have you heard of that film?
1: I I have. I'm trying to remember what it's about.
2: L-O-C-K-E. It's about a 90-minute film, and it's the only actor actually on screen for the whole film is Tom Hardy. And it it charts a drive he's doing over an hour and a half, and he just has conversations on the phone, and it's absolutely brilliant. If you want to see Tom Hardy's acting at its best, other than The Dark Knight Rises, then check out that film. It's a really nicely done film.
1: Is it, like, one of those films that, like, plays out in real time? It does, yeah. It plays oh, out in cool. real time.
2: Okay. You yeah. see just this whole uh, this whole world kind of crumble in the course of oh. an hour and a half of, of uh, phone conversations. It's great, though. Awesome. Wow.
0: Oh, Apparently, they recorded a lot of it in real time, too. I'm just quickly checking the wiki.
2: Yeah, check it out. And uh, I don't think many people have seen that.
0: Yeah, I'd never heard Fair of enough. it. So there you go, 2013. A psychological <laughs> so, so this film. would have been...
2: This would have been his film. He probably decided after the uh, epic scale, big Hollywood blockbuster film of of Dark Knight Rises, he'd go and do this very low budget film set in a car for ninety
1: minutes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm that just I'm sense. just checking. I think that would have been literally what his uh, next film would have been. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises, and then Locke. So yeah, he would have done this massive blockbuster and then <laughs> quite a small little uh, uh, indie thriller.
0: Isn't that the uh, that's the actor way, isn't it? You yeah. do one, well, one for where... them, one for you. That's right, that's right. (laughs)
2: Also stars Livia Coleman. You don't see her, but you hear her voice, and she's
1: fantastic, obviously, as always. The next item on my list is Bruce Wayne, Batman, doesn't have the keys to his own house. Uh, (laughs) Which...
0: This sounds like a a Natalie Draw the Line moment, but it's
1: stew. Well, look. I, this is the thing like like, I, I haven't seen this film for a while actually certainly I, I've seen The Dark Knight a lot more than I've seen uh, The Dark Knight Rises I think I've watched it two or three times since I've seen it in the cinema. Unlike Pete, I, I didn't go see it 10 times in the cinema. I I saw it once in the cinema, So I wasn't as familiar with this movie as I was The Dark Knight, but I had seen it a few times. And so I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. But then I watched it again this time around. And I was like, oh, actually, I don't mind this. There are parts of this that I quite like. There's, there's, some, there's some funny moments. There's some poignant moments. There's some interesting moments. But one thing that I definitely remember not liking and that was reinforced on this watch is that Bruce Wayne loses his mind between the two movies. Like and <laughs> like he just starts acting like an imbecile. And I don't know why. I can't figure out the, the idea of Bruce Wayne as the effect Playboy billionaire is an act. I think the filmmakers forgot that maybe halfway through because he's sitting there patting his his jacket saying, Oh, I don't have the keys to my own house? Like <laughs> He's Batman. He has I people. Think, like, he has butlers to I, let him in.
0: I think that was supposed to be the, the sort of the joke of it is that he's he's Alfred's left him and he hasn't kind of quite reckoned with what that means
1: sure yes I I mean yeah like look this is definitely a more sort of impressionistic sort of film than the previous two certainly than the dark knight the dark knight is very grounded and realistic and goes out of its way to make everything make sense and this film is far more sort of abstract in many ways and that's fine if you, if you come at it like that. And the point that the film is, and you, you're absolutely right, the point that the film is making is that, that that's sort of his lowest point. He, he's lost everything. He's lost his fortune. He's lost his lifelong companion. And he can't even get into his house. But it, it then posits a world in which Batman can't get into his own house. And I'm like, that's not a world I want to live in, Natalie. I don't want to live in that world. What are we doing here?
0: And that's
1: where Stu draws the line. Draw the line. I'm like Batman, Batman would have a key under the rug. I, I feel you know the key is in the preparation. Come on. <laughs> the next item on my list is uh, Catwoman is in the movie. Hooray! Uh, yeah. I thought um, she was very good. I. Uh, where, where do you, what, what did you guys think? Like I, I really like this portrayal. And I think Anne Hathaway does a really good job. I think she got a bit of flack at the time. I think people were a bit cold on her performance, but I really like it. I think it's really good. I
0: don't remember that. I know that I found it very frustrating that, that once again, and I know it's a fantasy superhero movie, but, I mean, her high heels are ridiculous. And the fact that, <laughs> the fact that Gotham gets plunged into this sort of anarchic state... And she's still Mm. getting around the joint in high heels and perfectly applied (laughs) red lipstick and glossy straight hair. She's resourceful. She's very resourceful. I do appreciate that. But it's like, that's what she does. She breaks out of prison, finds her way back to her house, I guess, that she was leaving and then is able to sort of strut around the streets like a model doing high kicks and (laughs) bad guys in the face
2: the heels double as a weapon as well i mean i know
0: that she pins the dude with the heels but i guess she's one of these characters where the female characters are like endlessly resourceful endlessly clever (laughs) endlessly badass
1: we hear you natalie you hate women like i
0: do I, i do hate women no it's just there's no point where i think she's physically threatened in this film She's, she's in fear of her
1: life, like she's like, in
0: fear of her life, but she's able to physically get herself out of any situation in which she's people. Trying yeah, to there, attack there, there's, like there's people quite a fun there's
1: quite a fun little scene where they um take her to prison and she like beats up that guy, they, they take her to a men's prison because like yes. she keeps breaking out of the women's prison.
0: Which also um, is the men's prison guarded more heavily than the women's prison? Like I, is that? who knows? <laughs> Is it like the income gap? It's like 72% of security for the women's prison versus the men's prison. And it was very much, I mean, I know why they did it because so when the men's prison was opened and all the criminals were let out, she could obviously get out. But didn't they go around and open the women's prison as well? Wouldn't you have? Well, they just, either way, if they did go around and open the women's prison, well, it didn't really matter. And if they didn't open the women's prison, what the fuck were they doing? How is that anarchic and then let. Leave the bitches locked up, guys, as long as the all the male crooks. And also wouldn't some of those criminals, some of those thousand hardened criminals, wouldn't there be a few women in there, like even just five <laughs> or six that weren't Selena Kyle? But, yeah, the way that cop was like, she's going to be fine after she, you know, twisted a guy's hands off basically. Like, come on. Anyway, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I also felt a little bit like, no, can we please not put the, it just implies like, yeah, we're going to throw her in here. And all of that entails putting a woman in the men's prison and all the kind Mm. of potential terror that entails. But then show her kind of kicking ass and it's like, no, she's going to be fine. I I still think that that breaks, you know, some regulations along the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Anyway. Um, look, I, did, I, I, did, I,
1: liked, I liked the interplay between her and Christian Bale. I thought, yes. I thought they were pretty good. It as, was very good. Like, although uh, my
0: my thing is, and this may be one of the plot holes, is at the end when she like, I think she helps a kid or something and she sta- or she's standing on a bridge and then and then he just turns up again. So he's been off escaping, which I'm sure we'll talk about, escaping from the pit, and then he just turns back up in Gotham and yes. there's no explanation of how he got back in when the place was cut off. Sure. There's no way in because there's no way out. How does Bruce Wayne just turn up in an underpass right where Selena Kyle is? This because is famous, he's Batman.
1: Because he's—I mean, look, like I, I'm kind of hoist by my own petard here, Natalie. Because as you know, I will say I have been trotting that out as an excuse previously, and you know, <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna do it for the other movies, we've got to do it here too. He is Batman. <laughs> um, he is a Batman who loses his keys, but he can get into. <laughs> Uh, an impenetrable city-wide island fortress.
0: He takes some supplies for his journey, wrapped in a rug around <laughs> yeah. his chest, as he climbs out of this pit.
1: Look, what Natalie, I will just there? say like, this: this movie was already 152 minutes long, or something. Like, do you really need to see every step of his journey back to I, Gotham?
0: <laughs> I just want some indication. I know that they had to skip it and just go. Look, he just got there. Okay, let's just move on. He gets back to Batman. <laughs> But that's my line, Stu. Your line is the keys. My line is sure. I can more easily believe that Bruce Wayne just doesn't bother with keys because sure. Alfred's always there to open the door, that I can believe that he just kind of appears in freaking Gotham. Like <laughs> even if they showed him, you know, swimming onto a, into a dock or something or, but there's no way in. No, how would he have got in? Could he have been parachuted in? Could he have done like a high-low dive like James Bond from a high altitude? Could he have, you know, swung some things? And how would he have gotten in without anybody going, Yet he would have needed help. He surely would have needed some assistance to get back in.
1: You're not wrong. I totally agree. Um, The movie decided that was not important. And I don't disagree, but it does mean that people can... Well, I have to ask at this point, have you seen...
0: You are a magician. How would you do that trick?
2: Misdirection.
0: (laughs) it's double the answer
2: have you seen the uh the dvd deleted scenes <laughs> i have That's, not that would be my question that would answer your question they have the sequence of how he gets back to gotham
1: well why isn't that in the movie and because uh it was 152 minutes long.
2: <laughs> i should say at this point i just made that up but uh
0: oh, oh. it would be nicer
2: wouldn't it <laughs>
0: so it's not so you were just lying
2: I was just blatantly lying.
0: Are you telling me that I cannot trust magicians?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think you know, like so much of Nolan's storytelling, you're just you're just gonna have to piece that one together in your own in your own
1: head. <laughs> But, but anyway. it's, again, it's one of those things where, um, like I was saying earlier, like like this movie is far less concerned with the little nitty gritty details like that as it is with the overall themes that it's trying to engage with, and that's fine. Like that's a that's a choice that the movie's making, and you can engage with that on your on its own terms or not, as the case may be. But again, it's one of those things. It, it, the the thing that makes me question the scene where he doesn't have keys on him and can't enter his own house is the same thing that makes me go, yeah, sure, he made it back because he's Batman. Like, (laughs) of course he did. Like, you know, I I would totally expect him to.
0: All right, fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You either get on board with that or you don't, and that's where I think the movie loses a lot of people is that it – the the previous two movies have done a lot of work to prime you to see like a justification for everything that happens. And then this movie goes, actually, no, we, we're not interested in that anymore. And I yeah. think a lot of people were kind of like, hang on a second. Like, I thought this was the one where it's all grounded and it's all like everything has well, a reason. And- I mean,
2: it, with The Dark Knight, I mean, did you question after Batman had saved man Maggie Gyllenhaal from the party, what what the Joker did, where he yeah. went? we well, still go? Go? I mean, did you question that or are you just being nitpicky with this film?
1: Well, ex- well, that's true. But, you know, um, you find nitpicks in films that aren't really grabbing you. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of uh, – being a good film can paper over a lot of cracks. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, the next item on my list was uh, John Blake is a perfectly fine character who never needed to be Robin. Was uh, <laughs> he, really... he Robin, though? I mean, what that's was, even another question. He was Robin. Come What's on. He? I mean, that's What's what he? they were doing. <laughs> I mean, he was like, this is the thing. This is the weird, coy game that Nolan's playing with us, where it's like he's, he comes out in interviews and says, No, I hate Robin. I'll, I'll never put him into films. And then this character, John Blake, comes in. Who was, who was also an orphan? Works with Bruce Wayne slash Batman throughout the film, and then at the end of the end of the film, it re- is revealed that his birth name was Robin. Yeah, like, come on, man! But Robin's yeah. birth name
2: isn't Robin. Uh, it's Dick Grayson. Oh, I mean, he was in the circus. It's a completely different backstory. Uh, that's just thrown out there for whether <laughs> whether you want to take that road or not. Of whether he is Robin.
0: I mean, the well, question as I though, said. he's not really officially Bruce Wayne's youthful ward. He's, no, he's there's very few moment comparisons
2: moment. other than other than he <laughs> could possibly be taking the mantle of BAM. But, no, that's what Nolan does. He likes uh, leaving unanswered questions at the end of films, like with Inception. But it's an, it's it's the famous ambiguous ending.
0: It's very easy, isn't it, to go, oh, it was ambiguous. Ooh, what did you think?
2: Rather, <laughs> rather than he just didn't bother to come up with uh, that answer. Is that what you're saying? It's
0: like, guys, we've got 95% of the script. Can we just make <laughs> Can we just shoot a few things of maybe some smoke and mirrors? People going woo, and then go ah. But what did you think it was? But with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's quite good in this film, and he hmm. was this sort of one of his first films. Oh, know he'd done that Five Hundred Days of Summer. I feel like he yeah, kind of... he'd
2: done a few small indie ones.
0: Yeah,
1: and of yeah, course he, and, he, he, he was he in Inception, on, of, course. of course. Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, that's uh, oh yeah, oh, and that's... he was in he, he was in he was in Inception, which was Nolan's previous movie film directly before this. He did The Dark Knight, then he did a little film called Inception.
0: Which I still haven't seen, but uh, have you Oh, seen that?
1: Oh, oh, you would so hate that film, Natalie. If you hate
2: unanswered questions and things being left ambiguous for the audience to try and figure out themselves and fill in the holes, you would absolutely hate Inception.
0: But I saw Memento. He seems to make that all make sense. As fantastical as it was, there seems to be some sort of internal logic to that film and how Think-
2: the time <laughs> structure work. Think about how confused you were watching Memento and times that by 10, and that's that's yeah. going to be Inception. Did you no, watch I uh, Tenet?
0: I didn't see Tenet. So
2: uh, I I'll watch that one as well.
0: I just haven't watched that many Christopher Nolan films, in all honesty. The Batman trilogy and Memento, I think, are all the ones I've seen.
2: Oh, you've got to at least see the you know? Prestige. Oh, I've yeah, seen the, the, prestige. Pre- the Prestige. Yeah, is pretty great.
0: Yeah, that was freaking bullshit too, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, it was, come on,
2: what come on! It
0: was actual magic.
2: <laughs> well, the science was fiction. Doing-
0: Christian Bale was doing, you know, the whole commit to the character bit thing. Yeah. And and then Hugh Jackman's doing something with David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. He, he had what
2: an actual it? cloning machine, yeah.
0: He had an actual cloning machine. It, it,
2: what? Yeah. But it, why, why boys like,
0: is... That would be like going, you know what, we're going to do it, we're going to do a, a trick where we actually saw a person in half and it's actually really bloody. And the secret is... <laughs> The secret is we just get a terminally ill cancer patient who's happy to die and we put them on stage <laughs> every night.
2: And oh we my saw them And
0: that's you know why me- I That's a method I've that? never
2: heard of. You yeah, say but you that? know
0: where I heard of it from? I've been yeah. re watching Jonathan Creek. Oh, Jonathan goodness. Creek, which was one of my favorite shows in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And that's yeah. one of the. Bill Bailey's a guest character and he's like a wannabe magician. And that's his idea for a song, <laughs> a saw and the half trick. And I laughed and laughed because I went, can you imagine? Can <laughs> you imagine the solution being no, no, no? We get people who are uh, at the end of their tether and they want to die and they're terminally ill and we just well, sign them up. Well,
2: that's not so far away from an actual uh, soaring in half illusion that a guy that the guy did where he sawed someone in half and then like the top half of him started running around and then the bottom half of him started running around and the secret was his assistant had like no bottom half. He was born like that and then oh. the, and then the legs were a midget in a pair of pants.
0: Wait, so he had like a midget on stilts or something?
2: No, no. Well, the midget was in, in the pant legs and he was like with his hands. He was holding up the pants. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's the best part. The top half, that bloke, he had a, an identical twin brother. He, he wasn't born uh, with no legs. How good a oh, trick oh, is yeah, that? I
0: think, I think you've told me about them before.
2: Yeah, Johnny Eck, the guy's name was. He was in that film Freaks, which is another good film.
0: As a magician, Pete. How did you rank the prestige?
2: That's my favorite magic movie by far. I think it's just so That's much so cool. better than oh it's if you, have you seen Now You See Me?
1: Yes, of course I uh, have. Yeah. That was so bad that I hated that film. <laughs> that movie right. is atrociously bad. It is it has just... one of the dumbest twists I've ever seen in my life. What's yes, the Yes, exactly. Well we don't we don't want to tell them the twist. You gotta go out and suffer it yourself. <laughs> yeah, you have to suffer through it yourself, Natalie.
0: Is the twist that like they're all ghosts or something, and they can you know walk through? Ah, uh,
1: it's kind. Or... Ca- it's on that level. <laughs> Is
0: it on that level? It's, of... it's on
1: that level. It's 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 a really dumb twist that doesn't make any sense. And if you go back and watch the film again, knowing the twist, nothing makes sense. It's, it's obviously something that they wrote at the end to have a twist, and it's like no, thank you. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's like a the City, Prestige. It? It's the primary school version of Prestige, basically. Yeah.
0: Right, okay. They did make
2: a sequel, and I
1: haven't bothered watching that one. It's so criminal, though, because the, the sequel to Now You See Me was called Now You See Me Too. Yeah. Um, instead, of, instead of being called Now You now Don't.
0: Now You Don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, now You See Me, colon, Now You Don't. But what are other magic, because as I just mentioned, that I have been enjoying watching Jonathan Creek again just recently, but what else?
2: If you're picking apart the, the plot holes in The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, some <laughs> of the outlandish explanations they come up with in Jonathan Creek.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have
2: to, <laughs> where they build a second house and things like that. And
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. Uh,
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, there's The Illusionist. That stars uh, Edward Norton. That's a good one. It's kind of an indie film. There's the original Houdini, of course, with uh, Tony Curtis. That's another good one.
0: Houdini just sounds like a real dude. Like he just sounds like he would have been a great guy to hang around with.
2: Uh well he had quite the ego but uh Well I mean that
0: I... but the fact the fact that he was like so anti nutbags and yeah who uh, actually believed in magic and he was you know he didn't like people being taken advantage of by shysters and scammers and
1: yes he was dead against that yeah yeah I, I, mean, I love the story that Houdini um befriended Arthur Conan Doyle mm. and yeah, w- was desperately mates. trying to convince him that like spiritualism wasn't a thing because Arthur Conan Doyle, who created uh, Sherlock Holmes, the great rationalist, Mm. uh, fiercely believed in spirits and and, and the supernatural. And he would do these demonstrations where he would show Conan Doyle how these fake mediums were you know tricking people he would show them the technique he would show him the techniques he's like look this is how they're doing it and Conan Doyle would be like this is incredible you're speaking to the spirits (laughs) you just couldn't get
2: you just couldn't get it it's incredible look I know you have to say that it's all fake but you know I yeah yeah. you and I I know wink yeah it's
0: like the wrestling wink
2: um, oh, hey, now cool you're saying actually. the wrestling's fake.
0: Well, I i mean, I would love to be a magician, but I don't have the, like, patience to learn all the sleight of hand. I think Pete's tried to teach me a trick once, and then I... Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> well,
2: when I tried to teach Natalie some tricks, uh, it resulted in a, a hand-catching fire. That was a fun one.
0: Oh, my God, <laughs> it did too!
2: <so. laughs> There's a great trick <laughs> where <laughs> you can... <laughs> can See, make- no, but that's,
0: the that's the thing that's the thing that's me being Daenerys Targaryen like I don't so know <laughs>
2: You pain. can put a little bit of lighter fluid on your fingers and then you can just touch to some flame and your fingers will be fl- – and then you click your fingers and the flame vanishes. And uh, I think Natalie put on a little bit too much lighter fluid and, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then we had to rush to the water, the sink, and, <laughs> and douse her hand with water.
0: But it was one of those things where it was like all of a sudden it was on fire and it took my brain a second to go, huh, oh, it's on fire.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man, i have forgotten about that. Yes, um, Pete helped me. If you saw my Raven on Game of Thrones show, um, Pete helped me with a, a couple of um, magic tricks that I did in that. Uh, I say tricks in inverted commas because <laughs> so I, I in no way would claim to create, like, illusions, but they were fun. It was really fun. And one day I want to do, like, a full-on Kind of magic-y type show but i have to convince pete first do you want so, to do a real
2: magic show or do you want to do like a like a magic goes wrong type thing
0: i'm interested in any and all forms because i love magic i think magic is really really fun and it's such a i'm sure it's changing now but it's such a male dominated kind of profession men seem to just be really really attracted to magic and I don't know why that is. I don't know.
1: Wow. I was going to say though, it, it's, it's, you, you're telling me that um, men are largely attracted to a profession that requires to do repetitive tasks obsessively over and over and over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, and I think that's where I would fall down. It's just the sheer patience that you need to have to like learn how to, you know, move the cards or I feel like the same way in Jonathan Creek, I'm like, I could be the showman <laughs> out front if I could learn how to do the showman stuff.
2: I will and... say, though, <laughs> that uh, the Magic Circle, which is the biggest magic organisation in the world, they didn't allow women to join till 1991. But
0: wow. But
2: as of last year, the president and vice president of the Magic Circle, both women. So there you go. Oh,
0: great. Things, oh, things
2: have, they were elected into council, things have changed. Oh, that's they good. They broke the glass ceiling and then they made it reappear. Yeah. So the magic, <laughs> the magic Circle got... A female president before America did. So there you go.
0: (laughs) That's, look, and kudos to them for that. Um, Yeah, that's amazing. So So 30 years women have been officially allowed to be Magicians. (laughs) Magicians.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but that is changing. If you watch Fool Us with Penn and Teller, there's several magicians on there every week, and people coming at it from all different walks of life now. They're not all from the same walk of life. You know, um, people with an interest in science, uh, students, and so forth are taking up magic. Yeah. It's becoming a lot more diverse and a lot more interesting, and I, I think you'll be excited with where it's going, Aww. Natalie. <laughs> That's good. My
0: favorite is still that guy. Um, is it Ching Cheng Su? Cheng zoo Chung Ling Yes. Not... Chinese <laughs> magician.
2: Yeah, not, not a great example of progressiveness and uh, progressivism in the uh, magic. Lauded, but, uh...
0: lauded across America and and Europe, famous Chinese magician, and he was what he was like from America some he was like a white dude.
2: Yeah, and he would dress up uh in in Asian makeup, including pin his eyes back not a good look different times Um, now um and then
0: but my favorite was when there was like he kind of ripped off an actual Chinese magician
2: yeah and and then claimed that that guy that other guy was the fake
0: (laughs) he claimed the the actual Chinese guy was the fake
2: and then he would travel from country to country with an interpreter and he'd basically just speak nonsense and then the interpreter would pretend to translate it Uh, (laughs) so yeah not not Uh. great
0: No, not great, but I just part of me admires the chutzpah the of, chutzpah of, of someone oh, going that's... i'm going to commit to this i'm committing to this this is my bit this is my thing yeah I'm committing to this like they again, touched so I, on I, that
1: i've never heard of this guy before but when when was he active was it sort of in the, the golden age
2: yeah, yeah the early the early 20th century yeah exactly. um, so, i
1: mean like there was a lot of and you'd be you'd be well aware of this Pete, but there was a lot of people would say they were they were like you know especially like oriental or, or asian mystics yeah. and, and that sort of thing
2: there was a mysticism um magicians just used to draw what they thought were chinese characters on their boxes. And, uh, but uh, the, the prestige, going back to Nolan's films, that touches upon Chang Ling Zu. He was heavily influenced because there's a, a Asian guy in that film who mm. pretends to be a weary old guy, and he produces a big bowl uh, of water. And the secret is he carries it in between his legs, underneath his robe. And the secret is he's not actually a worn-down old man. He's, he's incredibly strong. But he lives his life pretending to be that person. And after the show, he'll get, walk out on a walking stick And of course, there was Christian Bale who had the twin and that his whole life was basically entirely a lie, keeping the twin secret purely for the purposes of this act that he does. So Chung Ling Zhu that's what all of that in that film was influenced by, is Chung Ling Zhu, the man who led his entire life selling this character that he did.
0: There's just something about that time and and those kinds of characters that I find endlessly fascinating. Um, but speaking of, you know, strange characters, we should probably get back to Batman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, that's yeah. true. Um, I had a couple of things just left on my list quickly. Um, uh, the, the first one was uh, worst death scene ever filmed, which mm. is obviously Talia in the truck, where <laughs> you can almost see... The X's appear over her eyes when she dies. It's um, some of the worst death acting I think I've ever seen. Not her best hour. Uh, Isn't that a, and um, uh, Academy
0: Award winner Marion Cotillard? Cotillard. Yeah,
1: yeah it, it is. is Academy Award winner Marion Cotillard. Uh, not her best uh, role, I don't think. The last item I had on my list, this is me just being a little bit facetious, but um, Batman defeats Bane by punching him harder. So that, you know, he should have done that the first time. Uh, well,
2: well, well, well,
1: well, 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 not quite. Yes, yes. He has yes, a strategy. He goes for the I mask. He goes for the oxygen valves. That films. is true. Yeah, I, I think um, I would have liked to have seen that that made more of like, like it it does seem initially like he basically his plan is just to punch him harder and then he kind of <laughs> finds the mask thing by accident I, I, I would have just would have loved a little bit more intentionality behind it I think a lot of that final fight is very chaotic and a lot of it is intentional but there's no choreography to it you know what I mean like like it, it's it's very realistic in a movie that has up till now been very impressionistic in many ways I would have loved to have seen a little bit more actual action in there as opposed to two ridiculous looking people hitting each other which is what superhero movies are and i'm i'm right there in front row on on opening night for most of it it just i I think that the weird thing too about that that final sequence i think is that it was in the daytime and this version of batman has been very resolutely set especially when bale's in the full costume it's all been in the shadows at night they've gone to great pains to have him be a nighttime character.
0: This whole movie is so daytime.
1: Yeah, it's a very daytime movie, and, and he's just there in the broad sunshine, and something about that feels really weird. And then, <laughs> and then he just starts like he just starts hitting Bane, and I'm like, okay, yeah. So his plan is to punch him harder. Okay, that's that's fine. Like you know, and obviously there's more to it than that. And there, you know, there's action movies that have done less with more, but you know, I just thought that was interesting that that was that seemed to be his big his big plan was to punch him harder. Well, you know, anyway, to fight th- th- a bad
0: guy, to fight a bad guy with massively buff arms, you need a good guy with massively I mean, buff arms.
1: This is true. This is <laughs> this is a good point, Natalie.
0: It's the um, American way.
1: It is indeed. What did you think of the epic
2: line where Bane goes, "So you've come back to die with your city." And Batman says, "No, I've come back to stop you." How do you write that line? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> um Okay, fine, fine, fine. I thought I'd bait you with that, to be honest. It
0: could be. It could be better.
2: It's no yippee ki yay, Mother Effer, is it? it, no, it sure no. isn't. It sure isn't.
0: <laughs> it's like, no, I've come back to stop you. Imagine, because Bane's so theatrical. You could imagine him being like, oh, burn, I'm scared.
2: Can I just say, so far in this podcast, Stu has done the Bane impression. I've done a Bane impression. Yet to get one from Natalie. Uh,
0: Now's the time, I think.
2: Uh, (laughs) It's already good. (laughs) And now, are you holding up your hands to your mouth? That's what I want to know. That's
1: that's a
2: good good component of it. That's That's the first part
0: soon we return to you that's a lovely, lovely
1: voice. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, I actually really love that line. I think that's a, that's a great line where he's just sort of sitting there in the tunnel. He's like, yeah. that's, a very, that's a lovely, lovely, lovely voice. That voice. goes to the juxtaposition that
2: you were talking about Indeed. before, yeah, that's Stuart, right. being the very intellectual, well-spoken guy who looks like
1: a, <laughs> an enormous thug. It's almost Bond villain level. Like, I really like, he's, he's swinging almost, for the fences with it. And I, I, do, I did, really did appreciate is, it on this watch.
0: He is a Bond henchman.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Exactly, yeah. In a, Bond, in a like. Bond movie, he would be the main henchman. And he is here too, which is one of the things I really don't like about it. But perhaps we can talk about that more. I, I, that's the end of my list. Do you have anything? Do you, you've got your list to, to do I, now?
0: I've got a big list, but you, finish okay. your thoughts, because you've got a thought
1: there. Oh, well, right. Well, I mean, well, basically, I don't know whether this doubles up with anything you've got. But my, my big problem with Bane in this movie is that he is a henchman. Um, And he's not – the twist is that he's a henchman and that um, Miranda turns out to be Talia al Ghul and that she's the secret puppet master and also that she was the kid who – Climbed out of the pit, and mm. you know because, I, ha, I remember watching ha, Girls this. can
0: climb too, oh. <laughs> well, <they certainly laughs> can. and she just and, uh, got her hair trimmed, and and you think that all well, yeah. you know the boy child is going to be the one who makes it, but ah, more and kudos,
1: kudos to them though for casting like a young girl actor who looks a little bit like like Miranda, but also like Tom Hardy. Like, yeah. you, you could believe that she was a young version of both, of either of them. Like, uh, yeah. they, they really did their due diligence there. But, like, I think the, the frustrating thing about the portrayal of Bane in Batman and Robin was that he was just a big, stupid thug. And in the comics, he's not that. He's Batman's equal. In in fact, like, he's the one villain who kind of ha- beats Batman. You mm-hmm. know, he, he famously breaks the bat. And... In this movie, it looked like they were doing him justice. They, they were actually putting him on a level where he is the one who has, like, beaten Batman. And Batman has to come back and, you know, defeat him and, and you know, overcome the, this huge physical threat. But also who is a tactical, brilliant person as well. And then the movie, in, in the service of putting a, a twist sucks a lot of the oxygen out of that and it's like no he wasn't masterminding any of this like he was just following orders like everyone else and it just really robs him of what what was going to be a really really amazing portrayal of Bane on film it relegates him to the status of henchman again and it really pissed me off at the time and it still pisses me off
0: well this is the thing isn't it because he seemed to have a random plan for anarchy I know they did introduce the whole League of Shadows reasonably early because they said he got kicked out of the League of Shadows. Well, they
1: say that, that you know, he he says that he is the League of Shadows. Like he has basically taken over the League of Shadows in the absence of Ra's al Ghul and he's going to fulfill its mission of destroying Gotham. That's what he wants. Mm. And none of that changes. It's just that they introduce a a wrinkle where it's not him who's calling the shots but it's talia
0: yeah but why not give him something he seemed to have a different edge than just destroy gotham it was this weird thing of destroying gotham by getting gotham people to turn on each other yes and and destroy self-destroy that way Yes. And that was really interesting. And then it just mm. becomes, oh no, we just need to set off a bomb and blow Gotham to hell because Gotham is an empire now that needs to decline.
1: I will say that he explains it to Batman when he first drops him in the pit, which is that, you know, he wants to give the people of Gotham time to destroy themselves, basically. And he wants to use hope against them, which is the hope that he won't blow the place up. He, he is always going to blow the place up, but he's going to give them a little while Coincidentally, enough time for Batman to uh, physically retrain himself. Yes, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, there's a, a ticking clock floor, of small five months
0: in your plan, uh, Bane.
1: Yeah, small but but you know, I like love that this movie introduces the uh, threat of a ticking clock that is five months long. Yes, um, it
0: really does. You
1: know, but that he's going to give them the appearance that maybe the bomb won't go off, but the plan is always to blow up Gotham city. Like they're never not going to blow up Gotham city. It's just a question of like when that happens. And in the meantime, he wants the people of Gotham to rip themselves apart. Yeah. So I I get that. Like, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a bad plan. as supervillain plans go, but it's not his plan. It's Talia's. Hmm. Like he's not calling any of the shots; he's just following her plans. I guess, yeah, you could say. I mean,
2: it, all everything he did in the film, I, I think, still holds up. And yes, maybe the character of being somewhat diminished when. Uh, you find out at the end that he is a, a more of a henchman, and particularly when he's
1: when he's killed off in about
2: two seconds by uh, he's, he's Selina on the like motorbike. Catwoman. Yeah,
1: that's right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like once the story is once they've done the twist, they, the story doesn't need him anymore because he's completely irrelevant, and mm. so he's just immediately killed.
0: I thought he was punched by Batman. Wait, he,
2: he was well. He was initially brought down by Batman, then Talia stabs him.
1: In quite a shocking moment, I'll give him that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, it's a good twist. And then Selena comes along uh, and and missiles him from her uh, motorbike.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah.
1: Literally (laughs) as soon as the film doesn't need him anymore, he's killed off. Yeah. Mm. You know, he's been this incredible imposing presence over the entire film and then it's like, no, he's dead. Yeah. Done, bye. For a greater force to come along, yes. Yeah, well, exactly. But, you know, he's Talia al Ghul. A greater force? Like, you know, what what, what would it... Yeah, I don't know. The the daughter
2: of Ra's al Ghul has been kind of overshadowing all three films.
0: This might lead into my list, though, because that's one of the things that I had on my list, which is, so Talia al Ghul hates her dad because of how she treated Bane, but she still wants to carry out his lifelong mission of destroying Gotham?
1: What's going on? Yeah. They, they kind of blow right past that. She she says is when Batman killed her father, she decided to take up her father's mantle. And it's like, why? <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you had a you choice blame... there, mate. Yeah, eh? like, you could have not done that.
1: There doesn't seem to be a good reason other than because the movie needs to happen. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they literally blow right past it. Like that. Yeah. that, that... <laughs> if your father left you, I don't know,
2: uh, a newspaper shop, would you not want to uh, take over that when he, when he died? If he, if not if I hated
1: in- him and, and his newspaper shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. It's like, it's like, oh, no, he's been selling a rag that um, actively makes society a, a worse place, and they treated my boyfriend badly. But you know what? Water under the bridge. Uh, or rather, thick ice <laughs> under a bridge. Yeah, so Talia Al Ghul is is following her father's plan because... She clearly has no agency of her own, question mark, <laughs> inflection, slightly dodgy way to look at a daughter of a female character. Also, I will say another thing on my list is, well, Batman finally slept with a woman. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so clearly I, you know, should have pinged at that point that she was going to be the bad person because, you know, he finally slept with someone. He wouldn't be allowed to be happy with that. So Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> They're not going to let Bruce Wayne be happy.
0: No, no. He keeps pretending socially that he slept with a woman uh, or many women. <laughs> but I suspect that maybe Bruce Wayne is a virgin up until that point. Maybe. He was, he, was waiting for Rachel. Bruce Wayne. he was waiting for Rachel all that time. Well, he's, you know,
2: he's happy at the end with uh, Selena.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But up until the point where he bangs Talia al Ghul without knowing that she's, you know, Ra's al Ghul's daughter.
2: Well, also he goes off. There's those years where he goes off to college. You know, You don't know what he got up to there. That's but true. he was
0: all in love with Rachel. That was that whole thing. Like, well, he's, he's it's, been too angry.
2: It's like when he <laughs> got. It's like how he <laughs> got back to Gotham. You have to. You have to decide in your own mind.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I can continue on with my list. I started off by saying this is long. <laughs>
1: um, it's a long movie.
0: This is the Thunderball of the Batman franchise.
1: Well, Natalie, Natalie, I'll stop you there because... Uh, you no said that about is, the last film. <laughs> yeah. No no movie is as long as Thunderball. Thunderball is famously the longest movie ever made. Yeah, and how <laughs> long uh, is that, it's, Stu? How it's, long it's, it's, is that? Al- it's always running. It has always been running. It always will be running. Somewhere <laughs> Thunderball is, is going.
0: You just need to close your eyes and on the inside of your eyelids, there is Thunderball. <laughs> there, there's Thunderball. There's Sean Connery in a pair shorts. Sean off.
1: Connery in his Terry Towlings. <laughs> I'm going to guess you never sat down and watched the Snyder Cut.
0: <laughs> no, I think Stu has. I, I, I have, have
1: I have seen the Snyder Cut, yes, for my sins. Perspective, have, that's I, what I'm saying. It's all relative.
0: I have yet to watch. No, I've seen the first hour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the point. Tapped out.
0: But once again, I watched this movie in two sittings. I had to watch it sort of in, in in two sittings. Interrupted by having to go to the gym, but that's that's fine. So, yes, it's long. Having said that, it does stand up better than I remember. I remember sort of coming out of it going, oh, that's a bit. Huh? I will say, though, it's an interesting time, 2012, because this film, it's a little bit propaganda, isn't it?
1: A little bit. It's
0: a little bit like there's only one police in this town and... The boys in blue will come storming out of underground tunnels where they've been safely ensconced for three months. Uh, Not worse for the wear. Clearly they've established, I mean, they are in underground tunnels. They've clearly established some sort of link through to the sewage pipes because none of them are crusted in their own filth. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uniforms are starched and pressed. But, yeah, they come charging out and they all go headlong headlong into the fray. And even the one cop who's shown as having doubts, which is Commissioner Gordon's sort of... Offsider Foley, I think his name is, who the actor looks familiar, but I can't place him. Uh,
1: it's uh, Matthew Modine.
0: It was Matthew Modine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is. Matthew Modine. It
1: Matthew sure is. Matthew
0: Modine is, I know that guy, but I can't place him. He's
1: mm, one of those guys, yeah.
0: He's one of those guys. It's like, oh, yeah, I know that face. He's um, Stranger Things was the thing he did.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was in Stranger yeah. Things.
0: But, yeah, he's he's that guy. So he Gordon even says to him, look, I'm not expecting you to walk down grand in your dress blues. And that's exactly how he shows up at the end yeah. in his dress yeah. uniform. There's he's, a bit
1: of, yeah. Dramatic sort of callback there.
0: I'm intrigued that it's like, oh, the cops are really useless, but then they finally get given a bit of an out and then they are just storm into, I don't know, there's, there's something about that whole, look, oh, no, anarchy. Now the cops are back to restore law and order and the law, I don't know, yeah, it just made and- me think.
1: And you know, quite famously, at the time that this came out, right around the time the Occupy movement was sort of making waves around the world, uh, yeah. and this movie pretty fairly comes down on the anti-Occupy side. Well, yeah, it
0: very um, is—it very much is this like uh, "eat the rich" kind of thing, where we yeah. turn people out of their plush Upper East Side apartments. Yeah, and which put them I mean, trial like by the Scarecrow. If anything
1: has only gotten more relevant, <laughs> yeah.
0: This is what I mean. It's like. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, are we so against that now? Are we like, yeah, okay. I mean, let's not send them out onto the ice to die. But Bane saying, (laughs) oh, yes, they've taken. And and, and Catwoman saying, you know, so many of you have lived so so large without giving much to the rest of us.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Except for the fact that.
0: Yeah, the storm coming, which is a bit Q, isn't it? The the storm is yeah, a the bit. storm is coming. So it's a little <laughs> bit QAnon, um, a little, a little bit. Yeah, it, I don't know. There were just some weird kind of parallels and reversals, and it just made me go, "Wow, this is 2012, which is a different time. It is a time before Trumpism and QAnon madness. I mean, there were still conspiracy theories, obviously, but things took a turn. And I don't. Yeah, know how. Well, I mean, the thing
1: is, like a lot of a lot of the. <laughs> Some of the things from this film itself uh, were kind of adopted by the the right uh, in in the US.
0: Give Gotham back to the people and then it's like, oh, well, the people are just, you know, swine who can't all of a sudden just turn to barbarism and savagery immediately. I don't know. I just, Bane's plan that he delivers at the football stadium, which he conveniently blows up, and also side point, Gotham's colours are black and yellow.
1: Uh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Is that is that from the comics? Is that like Black uh, and I don't Taylor? know if it's from
1: the comics, but I think because um, they they filmed a lot of this movie around Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's like the Pittsburgh uniform, but they, they certainly filmed that at the Pittsburgh football stadium.
0: Oh right.
1: So may, maybe that's it.
0: It just seems a little bumblebee for, for, for the
1: dark <laughs> and clean. <laughs> Well I mean black and yellow are kind of Batman's colors.
0: Are they? Oh yeah, I suppose. They more in, Robin's
1: colors I suppose.
0: Well in the Michael Keaton it's the, you know, it's the gold on black I suppose. Yeah,
2: I have yeah. to admit though out of all the like the the holes of this film that I thought I'd hear <laughs> the team colors being black and yellow. I didn't Again. think that would come up. It's not oh, a
1: pothole. This it's is one the of thing. My,
0: it's one it's of where, Natalie's it's where Natalie
1: draws the line.
0: It's Natalie's special. Like, why is that? Why was that the decision made? Like, wouldn't it have been more of a black and red or a black and... Green?
2: What makes you say black and red? Why? Why do you think that? Why do you think Gotham would be black and red?
0: I don't know because it's like strong, <laughs> you know, a strong, strong color, like a color of of
2: heat yeah.
0: and fire and okay. You know, I don't know. There was something about yellow that's very <laughs> Hufflepuff. And I don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hufflepuff.
0: I don't. Yeah. Again, that could just be me.
2: Listen to question. What <laughs> colors do you think Gotham should be?
0: Yeah, that's right. Call that's in. Cool, Call yeah. in if you have a better city colors. Because I think Brisbane's colors are like. Blue and yellow, like royal blue and yellow. That's not a very yeah, strong colour, is it? No, it's a bit weird. But, but um, that's good for
2: Brisbane is what you're saying.
0: I suppose it's, you know, hey, subtropical, chill. <laughs> you know, whereas Gotham, like Melbourne, I would imagine their colours would be like various shades of grey and like you wouldn't understand our colour palette. It's too sophisticated for you uh, <laughs> sort of thing. And Sydney would be like just blue, the bluest of sunny blues or something going, hey, we're the prettiest or I don't know. Call in. If you think cities have a colour, let us know. So, yes, I just mentioning on Robin, I totally forgot that whole thing that like, oh, he could be Robin. Okay, sure. This is the first film that we sort of kind of get the concept that Gotham City is in America, if that makes Mm. sense. Yes, of course Gotham City is in America because the whole world is America. That's how America works. (laughs) But this is the first time it references a president And then the president promptly Mm. goes, we're not forgetting about you, Gotham City. We're here for you. And then just gives up. (laughs) They send in a few special forces who were very quickly bumped off. So Uh, it did
2: preempt Trump, in other words.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. But but this idea that this is still the world's most powerful nation, like they sing the Star Spangled Banner. And that's when Bane launches his revolution or resistance or whatever you call it, Occupy, Occupy Gotham. Uh, as the Star Spangled Banner finishes and the, the football begins, like the two most patriotic things you can imagine, um, football and, and the Star Spangled Banner. But, yeah, it's it's like there is a rest of America and, and it just seems to be that Gotham is America, is the whole of America.
1: It, it, it's how this film is much more impressionistic than the previous two films where, yeah, like it, Gotham is basically, Gotham is both cut off from and the entirety of America, like, like it's a, yeah. a microcosm.
2: I think, I think traditionally it's been based on New York,
1: Gotham City. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the famous quote uh, it might have been Julia Schwartz, the the famous DC editor who said it, but Gotham is New York by night and Metropolis is New York in the daytime Yeah, or
2: the, 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 yeah. the saying I've heard, I think it was, it may have been a Nolan saying, I don't know that uh, Superman is the America as America likes to see itself and Batman is the America
1: as the rest of the world sees America. <laughs>
0: ah, that's very good because I, I was wondering, I thought isn't Metropolis supposed to be New York City?
1: The weird thing is like, uh, New York city still exists in the dc universe so that they have to squeeze in metropolis and gotham as well as new york city
0: but this is clearly shot a lot in New York City, isn't it? Like clearly. Well, I think
1: this one, this one was filmed a lot in, uh, like, like I said, they did a lot of filming around Pittsburgh.
0: But lots of those sweeping vistas. But yeah, a are, lot
1: of the like, yeah, like, you're right. Like like a lot of, especially like a lot of those sweeping vistas are, you can basically see the Empire State Building, I think. Well, they, there's, they...
0: there's literally one shot where one of the cars or something, there's a chase through the streets and a car comes peeling around a corner and right in the top right-hand corner, corner of the screen, you can see Saks Fifth Avenue. Like that's a famous New York landmark.
1: Like, sure, yeah, 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 Absolutely. I wonder if
0: they pay money to be included. When
1: I'm paid, I want
0: to go shopping for my sheepskin. I go to Saks Fifth Avenue.
1: (laughs) Bane turns to camera. I know when I get my my jackets, I get them from Saks Fifth Avenue.
2: (laughs) All right. All right, Natalie. Bane is unhappy with the price of his sheepskin jacket. That's the scene. And go. (laughs) I'm kind of here promised a sale on
0: high-quality sheepskin leather jackets with large collars <laughs> suitable for wearing upwards to brace against the harsh winters of Gotham. And now I find myself overcharged.
1: <laughs> you think that standing behind that counter gives you power over me? <laughs> I demand to see the manager. <laughs>
0: Stu, you're too good at this. Can we... <laughs> Can we get Stu on Cameo just with, like, a wig cap on, (laughs) like a bald cap on and a mask, and we can sell (laughs) Stu on Cameo messages? (laughs) Happy birthday!
2: There's got to be a Batman on Cameo, hasn't there? A guy dressed up as Batman. There's got to be,
1: surely.
0: Call in if you, what's the weirdest uh, superhero you've seen on Cameo?
1: (laughs) Just to circle back to um, what we were talking about before, the film was was involved a lot with the, or it came out at the same time that the uh, Occupy movement was happening, all that, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And in the film's defence, Nolan says that that he based the the story on A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, um, which was set <laughs> around the time of the French Revolution. Hang on, um, why are you so, laughing so at he, that, Natalie?
0: I just. <laughs> It was the best of times.
2: It was the worst of times? <laughs> that's, th- there's quotes from that book in the actual film.
1: Commissioner Gordon said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Bruce Wayne's the far, funeral, far, is the yeah. far, far better thing that I do, and a better rest that I go to, <laughs> which is a, a common funeral thing, but specifically, it's from A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs>
0: I've
1: never read so, that. yeah, no, I mean, so so that that's where Nolan's head was at. He was looking at like the Reign of Terror and, mm. and that sort of thing which you sort of see with the, the show trial with Jonathan Crane presiding over the, the show trials, yeah. which is another the like the final great appearance of, of Jonathan Crane in this in this trilogy, completing the through line. I, I love that he came back. Like he's he's just this weird little through line through all the three. Yeah, films. and they don't I, I love the
0: fact that it's like, oh this is this is just a sentencing hearing you're already guilty.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: That's quite fun.
1: That's sort of Alice in Wonderland logic.
0: Yeah. So I wrote Tom Hardy's Unrecognizable, we sort of talked about that. I wrote, oh, yep, sleeps with a girl. She must be evil. Um, (laughs) Talked about Talia. Oh, I found it very interesting that they have the scientist – dr pavel dr. a pavel. russian scientist what is it about like dodgy Ru- russian scientists who they alone know the key to <laughs> solving oh, some sort of problem or creating some sort it's of massive? it's a tried and true event.
2: trope Natalie? there, there haven't I, been any recent examples of that in films yeah, I can no think time
0: of. to die no time to die the bond film there's a <laughs> russian scientist who's capable of creating nanobots that
2: kill you. <laughs> they all still are stuck back in the Cold War Bond films of the, of the 80s, aren't they?
0: Yeah, but it's like, I love that it's a, you know, it's, it's always a Russian scientist. Anyway, I just I found that funny. I was like, why does that ring really familiar? And I was like, oh, wait, no, nope, someone who wrote No Time to Die watched Batman uh, Dark Knight Rises. Um, and I will ask,
2: though, in the scene, the first scene that he appears, cheeky little cameo by uh, Aidan Gillen as a big Game of Thrones fan. Were you I, thrilled by that? I,
0: well, I was going to say, my next point is, speaking of franchises, how many Game of Thrones games, Game of Thrones actors were in this? Because there was him, there was Bern Gorman, who played one of the Night's Watchmen who goes mad up north of the wall and, like, kills Krayster and takes over the keep. The one with the oh, big lips yeah, from Torchwood. That's
1: right. I was <laughs> going to say, I, I know him as, like, the Torchwood guy, but yeah. The
0: Torchwood guy, yeah, and he was in Game of Thrones and went, oh, it's that Torchwood he guy was, with, yeah. the, like, the strange lips. I don't know what it is about male lips but clearly i have a thing (laughs) you've
1: you've got a thing
0: there are certain (laughs) actors with weird lips and i find it very disconcerting i can't explain you know people who have that fear of tiny holes you know they can't look at anything that's got like you know seeds or something where it's lots of tiny holes they get weirded out by it i get weirded out by a number of the british and irish actors lips and I'm sorry. Uh, I know that makes me weird. I know I'm the weird one. But I could not watch, you know, that show The Tudors, right? Yes. It's, it's Jonathan rhys Myers as Henry VIII. Obviously, they've gone, you know what? Maybe he didn't have red hair. Okay, whatever. One of the most famous redheads in history. But okay, you you. <laughs> um, That show, you would think Henry VIII, many wives, lust, drama, court intrigue, right up my alley, right? Mm-hmm. That's got Natalie all over it. Could not watch a bit of it because it's Jonathan Rhys Meyers. I just cannot watch. I can't (laughs) deal with him on screen.
1: Lip related is your off-putting. It's it's
0: like that's where it starts. Is the lip relatedness, and then just every he just strikes me as (laughs) kind of evil looking. But anyway,
2: (laughs) which um, uh, Batman actor do you think has had the best jaw and lips?
0: Which Batman actor? Oh, now that's a good one, isn't it? I mean, Christian Bale has this weird mouth thing. Yeah, it's I don't kind know of pursed lips thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's got when he's pers- particularly when he's getting angry. But it's almost like a. There's almost it's not a lisp. I wonder what you'd call it. Like maybe a thrusting palate or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it's a it's a there's something going on with his mouth. It's definitely he's definitely got a mouth thing going on. Um, but his, his <laughs> lips are really thin. Bern Gorman's lips are like thin, but they're really wide. They kind of take up half his face. Whereas Tom Hardy and Jonathan rhys Myers, their lips are like squished in, but they go vertically. Like they're some sort of weird, like a Muppet or something. They've got these big... Anyway I'm weird And I fully am aware of that But uh, <laughs> Maybe Michael Keaton Is maybe where I Michael Keaton Val Kilmer Is maybe where I Because George Clooney I just can't really remember He's a bit forgettable
1: Well um, I was, I was going to say If we're talking purely Which one had the best chin Like I think Clooney has the best Like Batman profile But yeah, he was well, unfortunately The worst Batman
0: <laughs> Yeah Well that's true Didn't you say that he got cast Because like Joel What's his name Held, held a Yeah held he a held a over,
1: Held a mask up over <laughs> Over his face On the cover <laughs> of People magazine and it was like, yeah. that's my Batman.
0: That's my Batman. So yeah, maybe George Clooney is the one. Let's give George Clooney something. Let's give him that. He's got a hell of um, a chin. But then Adam West maybe has a good like. He had a strong face. Um, <laughs> anyway, Pure uh, West. So Bern Gorman, um, Aidan Gillen doing an American accent, which is always weird. And then Noah Taylor. The Australian as the other guy. No, no, no,
1: Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. Natalie. Oh, oh, Natalie. That's Mendo. Ben Mendelsohn, my friend.
0: That wasn't Mendo. That's
2: Mendo.
1: They are very easy to get those two mixed up. I will give you that.
0: Wait, no, that's got to have been Noah Taylor.
1: Natalie, I promise you, it's Mendo. Yeah. It's, It's Mendo.
2: It's, that was his big return to films after his uh, hiatus for years, working as a, like a dishwasher. Wait, what? Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn quit films um, and he worked as a dishwasher and then um, he got back in the industry and one of his first big films to kind of bring him back was The Dark Knight Rises and I think he's brilliant in this. He's
0: very good. Like, he's, but I could have sworn it was no attack because I had that discussion in my head. I was like, wait, is it Mendo or is it Taylor?
1: They are very similar physically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then yeah. because and he had a slight, and. because Noah Taylor has that slight lisp and this guy had the slight lisp so they obviously got the slight I don't know the like a vocal thing going on. Um so there you go. It was Mendo. Okay. Well, anyway, then that he wasn't in Game of Thrones. It was Noah Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I thought it was three. But it was and uh,
2: three. famously, Ed Sheeran is uh, in The Dark Knight Rises. What? Is he? No, I'm, I made that up. Oh, okay, right.
0: <laughs> oh, right. That was a joke because he was in Game of Thrones.
2: Because oh, he my- was uh, there we go. famously
1: yeah. oddly placed in Game of Thrones. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was, like, placed in a reasonably sensible.
1: Let's not relivigate that, Natalie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I do remember the Game of Thrones recap podcast that we did, where that was like—I think it was on Stu's list—was just Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have a few more things. I'm just going to go through some of the things I, I wrote down during the film because I have a whole bunch of things here. Anne Hathaway, Catwoman, Selena Kyle. She's never ne- referred, never to, as referred to as Catwoman. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> she's never referred to. She's just referred to as a cat burglar or a they, thief. They play or- coy with that. Yeah, that's quite cute, even though she's literally wearing, you know, cat ears. And he says, uh, that's a brave outfit for a cat burglar. Batman, oh, sorry, Bruce Wayne walks in on her in her flat as she's packing up something. And uh, she says, oh, I'm sorry, they've taken all your money. And he's like, well, they're letting me keep the house. And she's like, ugh, the rich don't even go broke like the rest of us. Walking around her <laughs> apparently like shonky house in Old Town it's a beautiful, large flat. That's
2: <laughs> like, a, it, a
1: pretty common movie problem where, you know, the, 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 the apparent like hovel that a person is living yeah. in is like, no, that looks like a very nice like, apartment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was like, come on. Now her friend, she has this friend who turns up for some reason that I can't understand when she's confronting the gangsters with, and she's selling them the fingerprints and then her friend comes in.
1: Yes, Juno Temple.
0: Was that Juno? I was about to say, was that Keeley from yeah, Ted Lasso? Yeah, absolutely
1: absolutely it was yeah
0: she must have been so young what's her deal she kind of just she is in the, the
2: comic the, books actually
0: well what's her name like what's has she got a name she-
2: i can't remember her name <laughs> in the comic books she's probably right. uh but but um she she because there's an incarnation of the comic books where selena kyle is a sex worker basically and she's kind of a, a friend in that she works with her
0: Oh, I see. So she's like the you know the friend of Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman kind of thing.
1: I guess so. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they they really play that down in this movie. Like like I think it's it's coded, but they're not they're not going out of their way to sort of draw attention to the fact that they're both probably sex workers.
0: Mm, but why would Selena Kyle be? She's like a kickass. Well, thief. I
1: think in this version she's not. Like, no, like I think she's a, just a, a cat thief, girl. and then she hangs yeah. around someone who's also happens to do a bit of that stuff. Yeah, It could be that they're coding them more as like con women, you know, because yeah, yeah. there's, there's that scene where like a guy is obviously coming out after like having a session and is like, you know, complaining that like she took his wallet and it's like, well, where would she have gotten his wallet from? Maybe she like, he, he followed her up because he thought she stole it somewhere else. I don't know. It's It seems to be very ambiguous, uh, deliberately so.
0: Okay, but yeah, that was Gino. Too. She must have been like eighteen or nineteen when she shot this, because I think she's under yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah, yeah, it 89. was pretty early on in her career. Oh,
0: there you go. So yes, um, big flat. Victory has defeated you.
2: What well, was that? Fact- was that something that you had a problem with that line or? Victory no, I, has I, I, defeated. i was you?
0: just writing notes down. I must have just been tickled by the way he said it. Like okay,
2: <laughs> victory has defeated you. That's a great line though, because Batman uh, won. Yes,
1: it it's a great line.
2: And then and then he he, he effectively um. I guess, got lazy, I guess. And uh, I just think he has some great lines in that fight scene, Bane.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty intense fight scene.
2: No music. No music at all. That's what makes it great.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's really brutal.
1: It is is Um, fantastic. It's a fantastic scene. Just Bane uh, walking around monologuing the whole time.
0: I do love the way that Bane tends to kind of grab at at his top, like he's wearing kind of a vest thing. And he sort of holds it like he's an old English kind of country gentleman. <laughs> like his that. thumbs in there. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it gets his thumbs in like, oh, I say. So that's fine.
1: It would be uh, more like, oh, so.
0: So Bane, right, the way he convinces Gotham that they should just agree with his idea for rebellion is he reads out Gordon's letter mm-hmm. about the truth yep. about Harvey Dent. That yep. Harvey Dent was not the white knight, that he was in fact near the end a crazed murderer who killed cops and was about to kill Gordon's own son, mm-hmm. but, you know, Batman saved them. Yeah. Now, okay, so at some point Bane has got this letter from Commissioner Gordon.
2: That was um, when at the, that very first scene where Gordon uh, is knocked unconscious in the sewer, you can see him Bane take the letter out. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, I, I, I figured that there must have been something, being generous, there must have been a moment. Mm. Second thing, a two-parter, why would Gordon write that down? Mm. Surely if he was able to reveal the truth, he could have just spoken it from the heart and not had like physical evidence that maybe someone could have pulled out of a pocket. Second part of that question, how would Bane have known that Gordon was going to tell the truth but then decided against it just in time to go down into the sewer uh, oh. to be able to be knocked out and to have the letter grabbed off him.
1: The thing is, he would have known that Gordon hadn't said those things publicly and so was hanging on to this yeah. information. But the thing that really pisses me off about the whole thing is that Bain's word, when he reads out this speech that he attributes to Gordon, but, like, there's no verification. This is a <laughs> yeah. speech on a piece of paper that someone wrote down. But- <laughs> No who's to say that he didn't write it down? Like it's just it's one of those weird things where he says it, like the crazed supervillain holding a city to hostage, and yeah. people are like, Oh, he must be telling the truth.
0: Exactly. It could it's be just like
1: insane. Blake I'm immediately to... turns on Gordon. I'm, Blake yeah. immediately turns on Gordon. He's like, Oh, commissioner, I could, you know, blow it.
0: <laughs> it's like, like if, he had, scream, if he had man. If he had Gordon there, in person, holding a gun to his head saying, read your letter, read what you were going to tell them, and Gordon had to read it and go, yes, that is the truth, and is humiliated and is devastated and and people could see him, then sure. But just reading it out, it could be like, oh, it had (laughs) more instructions.
1: Do not clean.
0: Drink bleach to cure COVID. It is a truth.
2: It is the best news you. Drink bleach. I've said it. It was on the doctor's own pocket. Drink bleach,
0: Gotham. Like... I mean the people of Gotham are clearly very very easy to manipulate <laughs> yeah, well, and make Well for they you.
1: They, they, imme- they immediately descend into anarchy so I mean yeah. maybe they are.
0: Yeah this is the thing it's like everyone goes It's okay, like, it's like the
1: residents of Springfield they just instantly yeah. riot.
0: And also wasn't the whole point of the f- Joker film that they can choose to be good?
1: Yes. Yes, it was, The whole thing yes. is
0: not, not blowing up each other on ferries can prove to a madman like the Joker that the people of Gotham are basically good yep. and they want to do the right thing.
1: Yep, that but, is the central thesis of that movie.
0: Yeah, and eight years later, it's like, oh, we've forgotten all of that, so let's turn on <laughs> each other as quick as day. Also, why is it eight years? Like, four years I could understand because that's the gap between the two films. Why make it eight years? Like, surely four years is enough to... I
1: feel like It's a a long enough time to have passed that everything feels like a long time ago, but not long enough that it's implausible that Bruce Wayne could still be Batman. Mm.
0: Right. But wouldn't four years do that?
1: No, it doesn't feel long enough. It basically gets Bruce Wayne into his 40s, which
2: is- Yeah, pretty much. Gives him some graying in the temples and makes him uh, old enough that he could have been retired from being Batman, but young enough that he can still pull it off.
0: So when he's in the cave, in the pit, and we can talk about the pit a bit, I suppose- when he's in the pit and he's trying to build up his strength his his back is somehow knocked back into shape apparently bane just broke a vertebrae so a bit of time a bit of um very small rational rations oh yeah and some very intense physio in that pit so very <laughs> intense being strapped up in a rope and kicked in the back and whatnot. Yeah. and all of a sudden he's back doing push-ups but we find out early on when he goes to the hospital to have some scans That he has no cartilage in either knee, Mm -hmm. so yes, okay, he's able to do push-ups and build up some upper body strength. But his knees are fucked. Like, how is he able to make the climb out of the pit with no cartilage? Like, with knees that, and he doesn't have his special handy string him up knee bag thing that he uses. Put some ocky straps around his knee, and all of a sudden he can kick walls down. I want those ocky straps. Okay, I have (laughs) dodgy knees. and I can, you know, I was trying to do burpees at the gym tonight. Do you think I could do them? No, because my knees are screwed. I want Batman's hockey straps.
2: You've got to get into Lucius Fox. <laughs> yeah, that's Lucius right. Lucius
0: Fox, give me a call. Hit up,
1: hit up, Fox, and see how you go. I'd um, be happy
0: to bounce around with that. But, yeah, how does he climb out of the pit with no cartilage? Please tell me why. Mike is open to you both.
1: <laughs> well, this is, this is my Because he's Batman. <laughs> because he's Batman. This is true. But. This is my big problem with the film, which is that it has this very unwieldy sort of two-part structure. It tries to tell the same story twice, and it hobbles itself by doing it, where it would have been fine to do the dark knight returns basically which is what they which is what they're alluding to here with batman coming out of retirement and having to fight against a, an enemy that was younger and more physically imposing than him now like he can't just rely on his physical intimidation he has to be smarter he has to work smarter basically or they could do the the nightfall storyline where he gets a broken back and has to come back and and defeat bane you know a second time and he has to overcome like like he he, he runs up against his physical limit But because he's Batman, he blows past his physical limit and, you know, comes back and defeats him. But instead they do both. And both of those, you're right, you're picking up on things there, Nat, that come from both things working against each other. The stuff with, like, the fact that he has no knee cartilage it never comes back. Well, once he gets a broken back, that's never referred to again because they've they've hit the second part of the the redemption arc that they're now doing. Like he starts as a shut-in, half-crippled, you know, shell of his former self and slowly builds himself up to become Batman again. But then he fights Bane and he immediately gets like a broken back. And so he has to build himself up from the shell of a of a, you know, the broken-down shell of his former self so that he can become Batman again. It just does the same story beat twice. And you could cut one, one either of those and make it a much tighter, more cohesive film. And instead, they kind of work against each other in in exactly the ways that you're picking up.
0: And this whole thing about Bruce telling like the people of Gotham they need a hero who's not Batman, et cetera, et cetera. And then when he's in the cave, all he's thinking about is, I've got to get back to my city because no one's there to save them. So he's basically gone. actually, they're a pack of idiots.
1: Actually, <laughs> there does need to be a Batman.
0: There does need and to look, be a Batman. I
1: happen to agree with him, but like, you know, I'm not in Gotham right now.
0: Well, speaking of there has to be a Batman, how is it that John Blake is able to just ping that Bruce Wayne is Batman immediately, like as a kid in the orphanage? Unclear. Because he and, had a
2: look on his face. That's why he could yeah, tell. Like
0: Nobody else including probably, you know, newspapers with investigative reporting teams or government <laughs> secret services or nobody else has been able to ping but some plucky kid with a sad backstory is able to go, you know what, I recognise that deep clenching jaw and dead eyes. That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be Batman. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm being mean, clearly. I don't know. I just, that, that, that just struck me as odd. Oh, the Dent Act. They make a point of saying that under the Dent Act, people don't get parole.
1: Yeah. And I and that's, was like, well, maybe... It is a good thing.
0: Maybe it's <laughs> be
1: like, of habeas corpus is a very good <laughs> heroic thing that needs to be yeah, preserved. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like, like there are cases where people don't get parole and typically it's like murder or very serious, hmm. you know, kind of bodily harm. But in most cases, people get parole. That's kind of the point
2: uh <laughs> these are all violent uh, people associated with organized crime no natalie well
0: then they don't need the dent act to arrest them they could just <laughs> you don't know what the laws them. existing
2: laws are in gotham city
0: no but surely they're american laws like why are they so anyway so one of my big things about this and i must concede to, to pete for i think i was wrong on it is like how survive. <laughs> three to five months underground in a tunnel in winter they get supplies they're given food i saw yeah they, i did see one yeah, they are explicitly
1: being shown being drop supplies being like and bane says supplies. you know the police will endure
0: but why what
1: was that like <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> i found that leaving, line so fun
0: he's leaving them there to to, to to, be
1: to to give them hope to to give them the the sense that they might one day get out and turns yeah. out not no they're not going to get out
0: okay
1: again like it's it's one of those things that doesn't make a lot of sense practically but the movie wants the the big Moment where all the police come surging up to, to help save the day.
0: I liked the little we. Why do we fall? Cameo from the dad from Thomas Wayne from the mm, first. That was movie. a nice
1: callback. Yeah, that
0: was a little callback. I totally forgot that Liam Neeson had a cameo.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was that weird in came- the theater like you're seeing him show up. I'm like. Oh, are they gonna? Are they going Lazarus pits? Like, and it's like that—that's weird. And then, no, he's just a hallucination. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, but I totally forgot that had happened. Does anyone know who played the guy who helped him in the prison, who's like paid to keep him alive, but then quite that is
2: gone. Tom Conti. Conti,
0: yeah, Tom classic Conte. English
2: accent. Do you know who his daughter is?
0: I do. It's Nina Conti. I've seen her perform. Uh, at the Absolutely, yeah. Is a marvelous, marvelous um, ventriloquist.
2: Ventriloquist, yeah.
0: Yeah, Tom Conti. I was like, wait, is that Tom Con-? And again, it's that whole thing of Christopher Nolan just getting sort of established English theatre actors and yes. the
2: television actors <laughs> to
0: have a part in Batman. I did like Death or Exile. And then it's like, well, Death then. Death by Exile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> death, but, by um, death by snooze Death by snooze Ah. Futurama. Oh, Orphans. Useful in a crisis. When,
1: uh, <laughs> They're John very Blake Dickensian. Is-
0: yeah, yeah. John Blake is is uh, trying to get them on a bus. And then he's like, wait, you, 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 and you go around the two blocks and tell everybody they've got to leave and they've got to get on the bridge and then get back on the bus. And I was like, oh. I happens. love that
1: his big plan there was to ask the people at the border checkpoint really nicely.
0: Yes. Like he was like, <laughs>
1: hey, guys, listen, listen, we're going to come across, okay? Like, and they blow Please up don't the shoot bridge. us.
0: They blow up the bridge and. It severs this very clean section, just goes sort of plummeting into the river. But...
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, and then the other thing was I thought it was quite clever. Um, I started questioning as he was getting out of the pit and I started thinking to myself, like, wait a second. So isn't the whole point is that Bane was beaten so badly that he had to have the mask to keep his breath, like to, to keep the pain away? That's what the dude in mm. the prison says.
1: And it's th- their then nod then to the see... venom in the comics.
0: Yeah, 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 but you see him climbing out. Like the whole thing is, oh, he's climbing out of the of the pit. And so my mind started no. going, well, hang on a second, that doesn't make any sense because how did Bane as a kid climb out of the pit, but then get beaten up in the pit and get and then sure. and then of course it's just as um, Miranda Tate goes, no, wait, I'm Talia Talia al Ghul. And I went, ah, oh. okay. <laughs> so my brain had started putting two and two together and getting five, and then it was revealed, oh, okay, no, she was the one who crawled out of the pit.
1: It also like makes a lot of what he's saying to Batman during the big fight where he, he breaks his back. It makes it doesn't make sense. Like he, all this stuff about being born in darkness, uh, you were only you were only adopted the dark. I was, bo- I was born in it, molded by it. No, yeah. you weren't. Like that's the line of someone who was born in a prison and who climbed their way out of a prison. But instead, yeah. you weren't. You just like knew a kid who was who that happened to.
0: But you protected you know? that kid.
1: And you protected that kid, but like you weren't born in darkness. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like it's it's one of the coolest lines that Bane has, and it's rendered completely meaningless by this stupid twist. Yeah. Maybe he wants Batman to think. That that was simple Well, yes, this is true.
0: And then I had one more thing that I just wanted to oh, yes, we should probably talk about the bomb. Now I remember this being the big thing is (laughs) how does Batman chop her out a nuclear bomb (laughs) far (laughs) enough away from Gotham? Natalie,
1: say it with me. (laughs) Because he's he's Batman. Batman.
0: He, do you have any insight on how this how, – how does he get away? Because he talks about then being no autopilot. So was he lying because – Yeah, he was he lying. Said- no,
1: no, he, wa- he was lying. He fixed the autopilot six months ago. They say it in the in the little coda.
0: Yeah. So is that the whole thing, that there was autopilot? Yeah, he but flies. He talks- there, there
2: was an autopilot. And then he jumps out and uh, and I guess just uh, escapes the
1: world of having faked his death. Survives the nuclear explosion. Perhaps there was a nearby fridge.
0: But then Lucius drops <laughs> Lucius Fox knows that oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lucius Fox would know that he
2: He does, indeed. Well he would suspect it. He wouldn't know. Yeah, and we
0: don't we don't see him. We see Morgan Freeman kind of standing on the or oh, do we see him? They have a bit of yeah, a in the domain. end. He has, little, he has a little he
1: has a little half smile to himself when he finds out the autopilot was fixed. Mm.
0: Oh, that's right. That's where he finds out. Does he find out before the bomb is dropped? Does no, no, no. Out? Afterwards,
1: it's 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 afterwards in the final in the final couple of scenes, there's the scenes where they're unveiling the Batman statue. That's uh, right. Yeah. We, he's talking to the techs, and he's like, you know, just just tell me what I could have done better. we, we needed to fix that autopilot, and they go, no, it, it was fixed six months ago. By Bruce Wayne and he's like, Oh, it has a little smile to himself.
0: But still, does he have nuclear protective, you know? Is he like Adam West where it's like, Oh, I'm Um, lucky I had my But
1: you don't know (laughs) at what stage he fled the uh he fled the, the the bat. Yeah, exactly. I think the movie doesn't play totally fair with us because they show a shot of him in the the bat wing right before it the bomb goes off, but there's some suggestion that maybe that's quite a bit before he could have easily jumped out of the plane you know well before that and that's just like a, a, an insert shot to make us think he's in there
0: mm. which
1: is only for our benefit right so the movie right, doesn't play then. quite as fair as it could which is which is unusual for Nolan Nolan usually plays very fair with that sort of stuff but um, it,
0: it holds up better than I thought it would and that's that's I guess my my takeaway from this film is that it actually yeah. holds up better than I thought I would so I have to give Pete some credit even there if I don't go. sort of feel the same ob- obsessive, um,
2: <laughs> I will life. say, by on the 10th viewing of this film, I was picking up things that I hadn't picked up on the previous <laughs> night. Every time I watched it, I was picking something new up. So I do think it, it does improve on subsequent viewings.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think and that's been proven. It is a thing, isn't it, to go, look, you'll really get this movie about five or six watches in.
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah, but, you know.
0: <laughs> Mind you, I look, here's me. I've, you know, rewatched Sex in the City countless times and find extra jokes and go, "Oh, oh wow, I never realized that before." So <laughs> I can't I can't talk. I can't talk. Final thoughts on Batman The Dark Knight Rises because uh, Stu, we have to rank this
1: film. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, I think it's a it's a good film. I like I still like it. I, I it loses points because I think it shortchanges Bane and also weirdly shortchanges Talia in, in many ways. But it shortchanges Bane as a villain. I think he's built up throughout the film as like this genuine threat to Batman, and then it turns out he's just a henchman, just like he was in Batman and Robin. Um mm. and is immediately dispatched after we learn that. I think it, structurally it has some problems. I, I it needs to figure out whether it wants to be a movie about old man Batman coming back from you know retirement or you know Batman being broken and and coming back from that. Those two things are sort of redundant in the script, and I think it undoes like we kind of hit on it a little bit before, but it kind of undoes the the messaging of the the previous movie. And then it also, it has a giant Joker-shaped hole in it. Like, it's quite clear that there would have been a role for the Joker in this movie had Heath Ledger not tragically died.
2: I think Nolan has always maintained that he was never supposed to be in that third film, whether you believe him or not, I don't
1: know. I mean, Nolan has said he didn't want to do the third film entirely and he had to be convinced. And and so he had to sort of, he kind of came at it very reluctantly. (laughs) And, oh, and really? you know, he 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 wasn't gonna do it and then he was sort of talked into it. They spent a long time sort of trying to break the back of of a script that they could actually that he was interested in, and I think a lot of you know you you see a lot of the a lot of that sort of process on the screen where they 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 had a lot of things that they wanted to to get in, and they got them all in, and as a consequence, the movie has these weird redundancies, and also it's very long. And but like on the other hand, it does something which rarely happens in the comics, and and also very rarely happens in the films which is that the story finished the story had an as an ending Mm. um it has a beginning a middle and an ending
0: and we see alfred seeing we we
1: see the we see the end of this batman like like this version of batman that's the end like he didn't die but he's retired he's living living in the in the in the riverina district with with selena kyle um and that's that's his his life or is in florence in florence i think yeah so you know he's he got out like he, it's it's a happy ending of a sort, and yeah.
0: it's like we, we won't be
1: revisiting for. this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Alfred. And and there's some speculation as to whether that's like Alfred having a, a dream sequence or like wishful thinking. But like, no, no, these movies don't do that. Like, yeah, it, it, and also because she's
0: there, Celine Bruce Kyle Wayne is there. Kyle. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So he's obviously um, gone yeah, and found they're both her. There.
1: Exactly. So, so, you know, they're there living their best life. You know, he's still quite famous. It's, it's unclear as to how, you know, people aren't immediately recognizing that that's Bruce Wayne, but it's fine. Well, It's it's nice that Batman, this Batman at least got a happy ending.
0: And this is the interesting thing though, because do people know that Bruce Wayne was Batman? Because Commissioner Gordon works it out when he says, you know, you put a, a coat around the, you know, small boy's shoulders to tell him it was okay. So, and but also Bruce in. Wayne was Wayne.
2: supposed to be dead as well. So, Was he? Yeah, yeah. There the, the, the was his funeral at the end that uh, Gordon was speaking
1: at. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, good point. So, but- so
1: Bruce Bruce Wayne publicly dies, like, like he ha- has died. I don't know if it's public knowledge that he was, was Batman, it- but, I mean, yeah, people must start it- putting it together.
2: I, th- I, th- I, guess I that think that's what
0: th- wasn't really clear as does he die because he's you know he he went somewhere and they're like oh Bruce Wayne died at this point and
1: yeah well he wasn't they around easily explained uh, in a way that he was killed in the trouble you know yeah
0: yeah true yeah he was a casualty of the something something of the rebellion um, <laughs> so then um, we have to rank this film so yes. where do we rank it because I keep forgetting what my list is but I'm going to say
1: <laughs> well I was going to say we, we we should hear from Pete just just to get some final thoughts <laughs> from him I mean. You know what? What um, you know, like you—you you obviously love this film, Pete. I mean, has this discussion taken any of the shine off it? Has it only reinforced your position?
2: <laughs> well, I don't—I don't want to oversell it, but it is the greatest film ever made. Um, no. Um... <laughs> No, I have to say is I have really, been. Like,
0: are, there, are there films? Like what other films are your favourites that you would, like, put it up there with on your personal uh, list of, like, favourite movies?
2: Oh, The Dark Knight and Batman <laughs> Begins, clearly. Wow. <laughs> 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 I, I like for Vendetta as well. So clearly oh, uh, films the- films I with love- masked people and, uh, and anarchy.
0: See, this <laughs> is the magician. This is the magician in you. It's all about the mask. It's, <laughs> it's all about the illusion. It's all about, yeah.
2: I have to say though, I have been pleasantly surprised by hearing you because the way I've always heard you talk about this film is if you you had this scathing hatred of it, and you've actually, I think, rewatching it. Uh, you have been turned quite a bit. I think I had to come to the film's defence a lot less than I thought I would have.
0: <laughs> well, I, um, I don't have an urge to watch it again okay. any time soon because it's long.
2: But <laughs> you you it was, may have mentioned that.
0: It stood up better than I thought it would. A lot well. of the things, it, you know... Maybe I was just really tired and hungry in the cinema. I was like, "Can we get to the end of this?"
2: How many times have you seen it now? Twice. Okay, so you just have to you just have to watch it another eight times. Uh, yeah, another eight times. <laughs> yeah, well, as I, I take this film, I take the whole trilogy as my favourite bunch of films of all time, uh, basically. Wow. So I, I, I just can't bear to uh, separate the, the, the three films. Can I ask um, you a
0: question, though? Have you seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I'm, so- I'm curious Can- to
2: see where this is going. Oh, yes. Are you suggesting that should be? Uh...
0: No, I'm just saying, and so and so, the Batman films are, like, still your top three, even though you've seen Robin Hood. Right? <laughs> Interesting. You well, have to, these like different, you tracks, have to, different tracks. Like
2: you have you know. to understand. I mean, where Batman fans were at in in uh, nineteen ninety seven after Batman and Robin, and to have Nolan come along and save us all was was so welcomed. And also, these the funny thing is these films spanned uh, my twenties as well. So it's probably it a kind of a personal thing there. Like the first one came out when I was twenty two. The second one when I was twenty five. And then the last one was twenty nine so that has a kind of personal connection to me that they went all through that decade. Yeah, as a Batman fan, these were the films that I had always wanted to see. Oh.
0: And so then <laughs> as we move forward into the Ben Affleck era, which I think is really <laughs>
2: right there, Yeah. How would
0: you It is, yeah. How well, you, or how do you feel look, about those films?
2: Snyder has done what Snyder does with any film. Oh, you're talking about long films. I mean, he can't tell a story in less than three hours, Zack Snyder. (laughs) I mean, his bat. But there is a big, big light at the end of the tunnel in the form of uh, Matt Reeves' The Batman, which comes out oh so soon, two months away, and that film looks really good. That that film actually is looks like it has all the hallmarks of being a very nice comic book adaptation. I'm very, very excited for that one.
0: That will be fun.
2: And are you excited (laughs) about Robert Patterson?
0: Well, I mean, I love Twilight, so of course I have no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, last week in The Dark Knight where people Mm. didn't think Heath Ledger would be much chop, and then he was fabulous. So I, I think he's oh, yeah. really watchable. I think he's a very, very talented actor. He just I think he's great. Was in a teeny bopper film series that mm. you know kind of pigeonholed him, I guess, for a little while. But he's he's done so much wacky stuff since. Not that I've seen huge amounts of his work but he does oh the lighthouse
2: gotta see the lighthouse
0: yeah i haven't seen it is it good
2: it's so bizarre and surreal and uh it's it's in black and white on this lonely lighthouse where both of them are going insane it's extraordinary
1: it's i wouldn't say it's an enjoyable film but it'll stick with you
0: okay well Stu, how do we then go and rank these films
1: well, Natalie, I um I struggled with this a little bit because it, it like for all my problems with the movie, it is still a good movie, and I I I had a good time watching it. I was trying to think where to put this because like obviously it's it's not the worst Batman film we know we know what the worst Batman film is, but you know the, the further up the list you go, it you have to sort of make a, a judgment call on on where it's going to to land. And I went up from the bottom and I, I went up the list and I hit Batman sixty six, which is in fifth place now i think once the the dark knight sort of slotted in at the top for us Mm. so so our list is currently dark knight batman mask of the phantasm batman begins batman and then batman 66 and i was like well mine is
0: just mine is the same except with mask of the phantasm and batman begins switched because i was flipped yeah
1: yeah (laughs) and so i kind of hit batman 66 and i was like well look they as we said at the top they're both movies about batman trying to get rid of a bomb uh, but I think I just have a better time watching Batman sixty six, so I think this slots in just below that.
0: What's then the rest of the list? So
1: them? the list is then so Batman Batman eighty nine in fourth place, Batman sixty six in fifth place. Then the Dark Knight Rises, and then you have the Unholy Trilogy: Batman Forever, Batman Returns, and Batman and Robin.
0: <laughs> I think I might. I think I might put this one a bit further down than you, because I think. Right. If, okay. I'm thinking underneath Batman Returns. I don't know, like Batman Returns is a terrible movie. It's bad. But I feel, (laughs) it's real bad. It's so much worse than I remember. But I feel like if I had to choose- so much worse than you remember. I know, but I feel like if I had to choose between that and Dark Knight Rises to watch again, I think I would watch Batman Returns. Fair enough. I mean, Rise. that's your list. I, yeah, but I feel like I've just been piggybacking off yours. I don't disagree with putting it where you've put it, by the way. I really I really don't disagree. With I mean,
1: that. there's an argument to put it a lot higher, but, like, it's my list, so that's where it's going.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've got the argument to put it at the bottom, which is what I thought would happen with my, you know, it's like Spectre where I was like I wanted to put it right at the bottom, but in the end I couldn't because it's obviously there's, you know, a lot better made film than yes, many exactly, of the others. Yeah. And <laughs> a lot of things that are more cohesive and make sense and better filming or whatever, but it still was the fucking blowfell thing. But let's not get me started. <laughs> I'm going to put it where you put it and put it in.
1: No, 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 Batman's. no, no. You, you put it down there. No, you, okay, you, so fine. You, okay, fine. You put I'm it gonna below put Batman, it, Batman Returns.
0: I'm going to put it below Batman Returns then. Below All Batman
1: right. Returns and above Batman and Robin.
0: Okay. It's better than Batman and Robin. <laughs> and even then, I mean, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> but it does. I feel like, you know what? It sits down with Batman and Robin at the bottom because they both have Bane in them. So
1: True. Yeah, I hadn't even put that together. Yeah, absolutely.
0: How about that? So you've put it up with they've both got a bomb and I'm putting it down where Bane sits. Maybe I just don't <laughs> like Bane. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's us done with the podcast um pete are you on twitter
2: i am on twitter i very rarely <laughs> very rarely yeah. go uh, on it though pete booth okay. magic pete booth uh, is magic. my twitter yeah
0: and your website if people are in brisbane or southeast queensland and want a brilliant or anywhere else and they can fly you somewhere i guess mm. um tell us what kind of magic you do
2: I, I I do everything. I do uh, close-up magic. I do uh, the stage stuff, kind of a comedy, stand-up-y, kind of bent to the magic. Uh, I do kids shows as well. I do a lot of those. So pretty much everything.
0: He's very, very good. And when I finally get a good idea, I'm going to rope him in and we're going to do an awesome magic show because I really want to do a magic show so stupid. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so call in um, at Pete Booth Magic on Twitter or PeteBooth.com.au, is that right? Uh, dot com, no, not, no, no. Just dot com. Yeah. sorry. And PeteBooth.com for website bookings and definitely um, uh, check out all of Pete's stuff. He's fabulous and yes. funny. Yes,
2: or if you and- just want to argue with me about The Dark Knight Rises.
0: Yeah, you can do that too. He's very welcome to it. Tweet him a lot and eventually he'll log on and see this, like, weird, <laughs> you know, tweets and we'll go, what the hell happened? Thank you both for joining me for another. We are now out of the Nolan Christian Bale era and we're heading into Batfleck.
1: Oh. So what are we doing next, Stu? Yeah, I, it's Batman v Superman, I think, is the next, um, wow. the next item on our list. So we're into, into long- the Batfleck era.
0: That's another long one, isn't it?
1: It's a long movie. It's... <laughs> It, it doesn't do itself any favours, Natalie <laughs> Oh
0: no, okay I'm at Girl Clumsy on Twitter Stu is at Disco Stu, he doesn't need to advertise You can find us facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne and also a, a huge thank you to my beloved patrons over on patreon.com slash girl clumsy, thank you. thank you so much um, for supporting the podcast and all the creative stuff that, that I do and uh, we continue to do Until then, as we always like to end this podcast Same at time same bad Same channel. Bye. Goodbye. This has been the end <laughs> of the day and podcast. I thought it went pretty well. How hey, about you? I'm not going to get a job impersonating Tom Hardy anytime soon. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Bye then.